deacons, thank you very much. Jeremiah in chapter 12. We're going to read the first five verses of this chapter. And I'm going to ask you to stand, if you can, and do that in reverence to the Word of God. Jeremiah chapter 12, and I want to read verse number 1 with you, down to verse number 5. The Bible says, Righteous art thou, O Lord, when I plead with thee. Yet let me talk with thee of thy judgments. Wherefore doth the way of the wicked prosper? Wherefore are all they happy that deal very treacherously? Thou hast planted them, yea, they have taken root, they grow, yea, they bring forth fruit. Thou art near in their mouth and far from their reins. But thou, O Lord, knowest me. Thou hast seen me and tried mine heart toward thee. Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter and prepare them for the day of slaughter. How long shall the land mourn and the herbs of every field wither for the wickedness of them that dwell therein? The beasts are consumed in the birds because they said, He shall not see our last end. Verse 5, If thou hast run with the footmen and they have wearied thee, then how canst thou contend with horses? And if in the land of peace, wherein thou trustest, they weary thee, then how wilt thou do in the swelling of Jordan? Let's pray. Father, come to you this morning, and God, I thank you for the privilege to get up here and stand behind this pulpit and preach to these people. Father, you've given me a blessed opportunity, and I pray that I would not take, take it lightly. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would have freedom to move on the hearts of these people as you see fit. I beg you that if there is someone here today without a Savior, Father, if they have never accepted Jesus Christ and do not have their way to heaven taken care of, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. And Father, I beg you that if there are some Christians today who are struggling and, Father, uh, just failing beneath life's load, so to speak, I pray that today their hearts would be lifted and that they would trust you and lean on you as they ought to. Father, I pray that Jesus Christ would be glorified and, Father, I pray that what is done here would be pleasing and honoring to you. I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. In Jeremiah, in chapter 12, and I, I don't want to take time, much time, we're um, short on that this morning, but I, I do need to uh, just give a little bit of background here. We've been looking at this passage, or using this as a springboard now for the last three weeks. And uh, for those that have not been able to be a part of that, I just, I just want to jump back for a moment. Jeremiah here was under persecution from the men of Anathoth. If you'll read chapter 11, you'll find that. These were his, his countrymen. These were, these were men from his own hometown. And they were really out to get Jeremiah. They, they were waiting for him to stumble, waiting for him to slip, so to speak, with his words. And they were basically going to do everything they could to put this guy out of business. Now, Jeremiah was a true prophet of God. They didn't like it. They didn't like his message, they didn't like his preaching, they didn't like his prophesying, they wanted to shut him up. In Jeremiah in chapter 12, the first three or four verses there, we have Jeremiah's case against the Lord. And I love how Jeremiah starts it out. He says, he says God, I know you're a righteous God, but he, got, he said, i got to talk to you about some of your decisions. Kind of sounds like us sometimes. And Jeremiah was saying, God, there's some things I don't agree with. I, I know you're a righteous God, and I know, and, and folks, we do know that. In our heart of hearts, we do know that God is a righteous and a holy God, yet there are times in our lives where we look at God and say, God, I, you know, i got to be honest with you, I'm struggling with this. And that's where Jeremiah was. He was very frustrated at the seeming prosperity of the wicked and the struggle of the righteous. 
And in verse 5, God answers Jeremiah or begins his answer. And he says, Jeremiah, he says, If thou hast run with the footmen and they have wearied thee, then how canst thou contend with horses? And if in the land of peace wherein thou trustest they wearied thee, then how wilt thou do in the swelling of Jordan? We've been using the thought that if the footmen have wearied thee, how can you contend with the horses? Several weeks ago, we talked about the fear of the past hindering us and the fear of the unknown and the fear of the uncontrollable and unattainable keeping us from contending with the horses. Last week, we spoke of salvation and the Christian's eternal security as far as contending with the horses. This week, I desire to look at this truth from a different perspective, and I want us to look at another area that is keeping us from contending with the horses, and I want to talk about why we're being wearied with the footmen. This passage of scripture is so vivid, so just so beautiful, the illustration that's used. Ancient times, and I've been doing a bunch of studying on cavalries and the horsemen. Cavalries were in use into the last century. Widespread use. In fact, you'll find that even World War II, there were some cavalry units that were still in existence for fighting. Not just ornamental, but, but for fighting. Cavalry use has been around for, for as long as man and horses have been around. Amen? Most battles were and still are fought with the infantry. That infantry, those footmen would come in, and that was the bulk of the army. But those horsemen would come in, and, and those horsemen, and, and, and really, and I, I, again, as, as I've been studying this, really looking at the, 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 the mindset and trying to understand the strategy of using the cavalry, and many times their main tools were, were their mobility. They were very quick, obviously, and they had great maneuverability, but they also had a great shock value, and that was used many times to demoralize the opposing army. And folks, this morning, I, I want to look at our lives and I want to look at our, our, our so-called Christianity of today. And I've got to be very honest with you. Satan, in many cases, can hold back the horses against many Christians because we are being wearied with the footmen. I want to talk to you this morning about running your race with this thought in mind. We will end the message in Hebrews in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. But before we get there, or before we get to where we are contending with the horses, we must be able to handle the footmen. This morning I want to define contending with the horses as doing what God has designed each of us to do. I also want to define the footmen today as what life tends to throw at us, and in some cases the decisions that we allow life to make us to make us do as i was thinking about this last night and even this morning the lord put a few more things on my mind and i was trying to scratch them in my notes but god designed us to bear burdens god designed us for a specific purpose so many times I've heard people describe the Christian life as, as free and clear of all burdens and all problems, and that's just not true. Folks, Christianity is about serving a God 
but it's about bearing a burden. If you want an example of that, look no further than Christ. Jesus Christ came and he bore a burden. Jesus Christ went to the cross or Calvary, but folks, do you understand? He had to bear his own cross. And my friend, this morning, I pray that you understand the Christian life is not to be one with no burdens. The Christian life is one to bear a burden that God has designed me to bear. And I want you to understand that this morning right off the bat. In fact, you say, well, well, Pastor, I, I, I don't, I don't want to deal with any problems. I don't want to deal with any situations. My friend, then you're not being realistic about life. Jesus said, come on to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then in verse number 29, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Jesus said, I want you to bear a burden with me. But he said, there's something special about the burden that I want you to bear. It's a burden that I have designed for you with you in mind. And my friend, understand the importance of that. Jesus, multiple times in Matthew 16 and Mark 8 and Luke 9, he said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me and come after me. Jesus said, there are going to be things in your life that I wish you to bear. So God designed me, number one this morning, to bear a burden. If you want further proof, you go all the way back to the book of Genesis. In chapter one, God created man. Do you know that God did not create man to have a party in the garden? God created man to tend to the garden. Do you understand that? I mean, when God made man, he made him with a purpose. He designed him to carry a burden. Adam's job, now praise God for Adam, it was a lot easier back then, amen? He didn't have to fight with the thorns and the thistles and the briars. Adam tending to the garden was a lot easier before he sinned. But brother, I want to say this this morning. God still designed Adam to bear a burden. He designed us for a purpose. The Christian life is to be one of growth and maturity continually. And understand what I'm saying here. Folks, God allows burdens to come in our lives. And those burdens are designed to build us and to grow us and to mature us. If you find people or you find children that have never had to carry a burden, you will find very immature people and very immature children. And that's really what our society seems to be rearing up. A bunch of immature adults who have never had to bear a burden in their life. Folks, you know, I, I was, we, were at, we were at McDonald's this week and, and we were sitting and there was a bunch of us, and I, and I hope Brother Kotke doesn't mind me using this illustration and I'll explain what he said. But, but we, Brother Bob Kotke lived through the Great Depression. And so we were all sitting at the table and I think it was Brother George that said, Brother Bob, he said, you remember the Great Depression. He said, how was it? And Brother Bob, without missing a beat, said, oh, it was wonderful. And I, I couldn't help myself. I just laughed and laughed and laughed. And, and Brother Bob explained to himself. He said, he said, I was able to walk out my front door, and he said, I could walk down the street. And he said, all of us were in the same boat. Nobody had anything. 
And folks, I, I look at today, and so many of us are so blessed, and we have such a sense of entitlement in our country that we are not even able to bear burdens that God, we, we get mad at God for allowing things to happen in our life that God designed for us in the first place. I think if Adam had been born into the United States of America in 2013, when Adam grew to became a man, he'd have said to God, I don't want to bear no burden. I don't want to tend to no garden. Sounds a lot like people today. But Adam was designed, and so this morning, understand, God designed us to bear burdens. Those were to help us grow and to become mature adults for the service of God. Now, I want to throw something at you here. God allows the burdens to overwhelm us at times. You've heard the statement, God will never give you anything more than you can handle. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. <laughs> I've seen good people become overwhelmed with their burdens and walk away from God's purpose. I read Psalm 61 yesterday in my personal devotions. And David said, when I am overwhelmed, I'll go to the rock that is higher than I. There are going to be times in your life when your burdens overwhelm you and overcome you. You say, but pastor, doesn't God say he'll never give us anything more than we can bear? Not really. He says there's no temptation given to man that is common to man that we can't escape. But there are times in our lives when God is going to drop a load on your shoulders. And brother, I'm going to tell you this, it is going to just overwhelm you. But I will say this, while God allows burdens bigger than us to hit us at times, God will never give you a greater burden than you can handle together with him in that yoke that he desires for you. Philippians 4.13 is my favorite verse in the Bible. It says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You say, oh, pastor, God will never give me anything more than I can handle. Brother, I'm sorry, you haven't lived very long. Because there are times when God drops something right in the middle of your forehead and says, chew on this for a while, amen? And it knocks you right off your feet and you say, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to bear it. I don't know how to go. I don't even know how to get up. And God says, take my yoke upon you. He says, I designed you for this. He said, I have a purpose for you. You see, the way growth and maturity comes is when we must push and struggle against what we carry now so we may grow and carry more later as we mature. There's a verse in the Bible in Galatians in chapter 6. Verse number 2, it says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Folks, i got to tell you something. If you never bear your own burden, how in the world are you going to help someone else carry theirs? I mean, God designed me to do something more than just deal with the footman in my life. I mean, yes, I, I, I have problems in my life. There are things that go wrong. But God designed me for so much more than that. God designed me not only to deal with what life throws at me, but to reach out and to help others and to be a godsend to those around me. My wife in the last five years, has picked up on running in half marathons, right? Half marathons? I think she's insane, but I love her, all right? And so I, I encourage her to do it. My wife gets up, and she'll go out, and she'll run. And she will train, and she will practice to run in that half marathon or in that marathon. I think there's several other ladies or folks in here that, that enjoy doing that. And I don't know how you enjoy doing it, but praise God you do. 
all right? But folks, I'm going to tell you something when it comes to running in a marathon. You just don't go out and do it, okay? Most of us this morning, in all honesty, couldn't even get around the auditorium two or three times without having to stop and huff and puff. Yes? I mean, let's be honest. That's the truth. But how do we get started? We start by carrying the burden, amen, the burden, a little bit today, and tomorrow we carry it a little bit further. I've mentioned to some of you here about a year ago, the doctor told me I needed to lose some weight. There were some health issues, and the doctor said, you need to lose some weight because I've had a kidney problem since I was a teenager, and I blame my parents' genetics for it. It wasn't my fault, so on and so forth. But, but no, I, and the doctor said, you need to lose some weight. I said, well, okay, what, what do I need to do? And they told me to watch the way I eat. And they, they tell the same thing to everybody, you know? And so here I am. But I, one of the things she said is you need to consistently exercise. I said, who, me? You know, I'm 37 years old. I'm in the prime of my life. Leave me alone. No, she said, you need to get up and consistently exercise. Well, I thought, you know, if my, my sissy little wife can get out and just run like the wind, I can get out and run like the wind. So I got my old tennis shoes out, and I put those, you know, those insoles because my ankles hurt. And, well, I got ready to, to, to go out and just tear it up. Well, I got out there, and I ran about a quarter of a mile, half a mile, and all of a sudden, there was something that happened. My lungs didn't want to breathe right. And so I'm sitting there running, and, and, and it's kind of funny where we live. We live on a country road out there, and, and, and there's this long, vacant stretch in front of our house. About, about, it's about a quarter of a mile, and you can see. Now, I made sure that I always ran when I was in front of that stretch, amen? Because I'm not wussing out in front of my wife. But I'd get around the corner, and I would just, <gasps> and I would walk for a while. But, you know, after I did it, after a couple weeks, I, 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 would, I, would, I would run a little further before I'd about pass out. And I'd run a little further, and I'd run a little further. And it finally got to the point where I was running about a mile and a half. And I'm not insane. I'm not going for a marathon. But I would run a mile and a half because I needed to drop a little bit of weight. And, and, and I was doing that running the whole way. And it finally got to the point where about the last quarter of a mile, I would sprint as fast as I could. Boy, I was really tearing it up. Amen? But I'm going to tell you, if I'd have tried to do that the first day, I'd have killed myself. They would have had to rush me to the hospital, give me oxygen, and bring me back from the jaws of death. I would have just keeled right over. Folks, I'm going to tell you, how do you bear a bigger burden? You bear the load you have today, but tomorrow morning you get up and you carry it just a little bit further. God designed you to bear a burden. Secondly, this morning, Satan tries to distract us by getting us to carry other burdens. Randall, I need you to come here for a minute. That's what you get for sitting on the front row. Randall, that's, that's a 15-pound that's a weight. Now, that's the burden that God designed Randall to carry. You can do that. Yeah, it's not too bad, is it? All right, do you need help? All right. If, if he needs, Sean, if he needs help, you come up and help him, all right? God designed Randall to bear. That's Randall's burden to bear. God, this is what God designed for Randall. Now, I'm going to tell you, Randall can handle that for the most part, can't you? Now, that load's going to get heavier at times, and God's going to add more to it, and I understand that. But here's what Satan desires to do. Satan tries to distract us by getting us to carry other burdens. This morning, I look, and I, folks, I look out at people, and I'm going to tell you this. We are carrying burdens of guilt and shame. There you go, Randall. We're going to see how much you can do. All right? Now, you say, well, well th th that isn't very heavy. Randall can bear both of those loads right now. He's fine. 
Well, along comes Satan and he distracts us by getting to carry burdens of forgiven sin by God, as we talked about last week. After a while, Satan comes back and distracts us and he says, Hey, Randall, hey, Randall, do do, do you remember that poor decision you made? Do you remember that time that you picked on your sister? Do you remember that time that you picked on your little brother? Do you remember that time that you didn't obey mom and dad? Now, folks, do you see what starts to happen? Randall's starting to get overloaded. He ain't doing such a good job, is he? And here's what happens, sadly. To carry these distractions, you know what Randall has to do? He has to put... (laughs) He has to put down the burden God designed for him to carry his own burdens. Now, pick those up, Randall. Stay up here. Go ahead and sit down for a minute. Satan wants to snare, just right here, buddy. Just go ahead and sit down right there. Randall's being a good sport. Satan wants to snare us in the affairs of this world, and he wants us to weigh ourselves down so when the time comes for God to give us our marching orders, our hands are already full. You see, Satan wants to distract you, and he uses real life to do it. Folks, Satan is a master of human philosophy. Satan knows, I'm going to tell you this, Satan's not going to come and tempt you in here today and say, why don't you go out and worship the devil? No, what Satan's going to use is he's going to use the burdens of real life to trip you up. I've just got a couple and I'm going to throw them out of you, but Satan will use relationships. Now, I'm going to say this, folks, before I even jump into this topic, God's way is not only right, but God's way is also best. And I wish we'd learn to understand that. We've forgotten that. You know, we, 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 we will ensnare ourselves with relationships. We'll, we'll, we'll have immorality or premarital or, 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 or extramarital relationships with someone. And, and folks, I'm going to tell you this right now. All that is is a bunch of extra burdens that Satan says, here you go, here you go. Well, you can do it. I know you can do it. You're fine. You can handle it. Just keep going. And that's what Satan does. And we just keep yucking it up. We say, sure, I'm fine. I, that's no big deal. I can handle that. I, I was thinking about this in my office this morning. You know, folks, as an American citizen, I have wonderful liberty, don't I? I have been given a liberty that is second to none in the world. But do you know what I can do with my liberty? I can take my liberty this morning. I can walk out and I can buy an American flag and I can light that thing on fire. Now, God forbid and heaven help us if I as an American citizen would take my liberty to desecrate the symbol of my liberty in such a way. And yes, I am born again and heaven is my home because Christ is my Savior. But how dare I take things that represent the filthiness of the world and try to carry them? I look in another area and I know I'm going to get you but finances. Finances. Satan gets us bogged down with credit cards. He gets us bogged down with buy now, and pay later. Here's another one. Rent to own. Payday loans, amen? Newer cars and bigger houses. And sadly, you know where we find ourselves? Buried to our eyeballs in debt. 
And so God comes along and God says, hey, hey I'd, I'd, I'd like you to, to become a missionary. I'd like you to, to do something for the neighbor across the street. I'd like you. And you say, God, but I can. I'm all bogged down. God comes along and says, here you go. I got something for you to do. And you say, with what? See, life has gotten to you, hasn't it? It, it, it's overburdened you. And when God comes along with what he wants you to carry, you can't. Your hands are full. Your arms are full. There's no place to put what God designed you to do. Another area I just jotted down was worldly entertainment. And I'm not talking about immoral worldly entertainment. I'm talking about the fun stuff. Sports, the, the Oscars, those things, you know, the, the, the music. And, and you say, is all of that wicked? No, all of it's not wicked. But we become entangled with it. We get entangled with the affairs. Sadly, most of us know more about Kobe Bryant or, or Prince Fielder or, or Michael Jordan than we do about, I don't know, Ephesians and Galatians and Philippians. We know more about, oh, oh you know, the, the, the actors Tom Cruise and, and Madonna. We know more about that than we do about Genesis or Revelation. And I'm going to tell you what's happening is Satan has come along and he said, hey, hey, Randall, hey, hey, buddy, here's a little bit of life. Here's a little bit of life. Just, just, just get entangled a little bit. And my friend, I'm going to tell you something. What the scriptures teach is that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God. That's James chapter 4, verse 4. Check me out. And this is what Satan does. Satan comes to you, and he doesn't want you to bear the burden God created you for. Satan comes to you and says, just carry that burden. Hey, Randall, how old are you, 17? 16. 16 years old. Hey, Randall, why don't you go buy yourself a truck with big tires? That's every teenage boy's dream, amen? Big truck with big tires, girls like me. You say, well, pastor, what's wrong with a big truck? The fact that he can't pay for it. So when he gets to be 19 years old and, and God would like him to go on to college and God would like him to do something bigger and better, he's so encumbered with the affairs of this world, he can't get loose. You say, well, well, pastor, I mean, you don't understand. I had a good reason. We all got good reasons why we do what we do. But my friend, what I'm telling you this morning is Satan is trying to distract you from bearing God's burden with the affairs of this life. See, life has a way of keeping us from doing something for God with our lives. <laughs> In dealing with people through the years, and I've been here now 13 and a half years, they say, oh, I'd serve God, but Pastor, you don't understand, I'm too busy. I can't. They say, oh, I'd love to come, but my wife won't come with me. They say, oh, Pastor, I'd love to give to that mission. I'd love to give to that camp. I'd love to give to that mission. I'd love to do that. But my money's already so tight. In many cases, these things that I just mentioned that have been said, those people are being sincere and honest. And so God, God comes along with an opportunity he designed exactly for you. You can't. We aren't even there. <laughs> or it's financially impossible. Which has happened. I'll tell you just happened. We got wearied with the footmen. We got wearied with the footmen. 
Hey, Jeremiah, your own family and friends are against you. Hey, Jeremiah, you're discouraged and you're depressed. Hey, Jeremiah, what are you going to do? You're going to get wearied with the footmen of life? You're going to get wearied with those regular, common, everyday soldiers? You're going to get beat down by those things that just come along? And folks, let's face it. Anybody that has ever lived any length of time, you have problems. Amen? When we were born, we were born into trouble. I mean, our lives are full of that. Our lives are full of distractions. Our full lives are full of disease. Our lives are full of, of heartache and heartbreak. And that's life. There's no person in this room that will escape those things. You say, but, but I'm the lucky one. I'm the one who will roll the dice and beat the game of life. No, you won't. You won't. Sooner or later, life will contact you or someone you dearly love. And my friend this morning, we're being wearied with the footmen of life. Thirdly, I said, I said, number one, God designed you to bear a burden. That's not Randall's burden for, for God. That's Randall's burden that he carries. Number two, Satan desires to distract you with the things of this life. Thirdly, this morning, and I, I just, I just want to finish up, you need to run your race. You need to run your race. In Hebrews in chapter 12, the Bible says this, and let me read it for you very briefly. The Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. My friend, this morning, what I want you to understand is God had designed you to contend with the horses. God designed you to rise above the common problems of life. God designed you to do something special for Him. And I'm not saying it's going to be special to the world, but it will be special to God Almighty. I'm going to tell you this right now. In a football game, in the NFL, the people who are the most loved and revered are not the offensive linemen. The offensive linemen are big and they're overweight and they're muscular and they're strong and they block for the little tiny skinny quarterback who gets all of the attention. But I'm going to tell you right now, a good quarterback, he loves his offensive line. Do you know why? Because that offensive line, they don't get any recognition. But brother, they keep that stinking quarterback from meeting the turf every play. And he goes up and he says to that big 330-pound guy who never gets any appreciation, he says, man, thank you for blocking that fella. And friend, I'm going to tell you something. What God gives you to do, it may not be glamorous. And it may not be something that everybody in the world looks at and says, ooh. But God says... It's a good job. He says, that's what I designed you to do. He says, that's your purpose. Look at the first man that was ever created. God made him to tend a garden. That was his purpose. I'm sorry. How many of us today say, uh, I'd, like to, I'd like to volunteer to tend God's garden? No way, man. Not, not a single one of us would do that. Yet that's what the first man ever created was designed for. You need to run your race. The Bible says in Hebrews 12.1, it says, run with patience the race that is set before us. Some of us today are looking at other people's races. Randall's sitting here saying, I see what God wants for me, but I want what God has for him. But I want what God has for her. I want what God has for them. I don't want this burden, so I'm just going to live my own life. Brother, you got to run your race. God's got a race that is set before us. 
Before us, before you, and before me, I've got something that God designed me to do. And my friend, today, I need to do it with my life. I need to run my race. Don't get distracted. And folks, let me say this. If some of the things in your life you've been distracted on, if that's happened, get back into your lane as quick as you can. I understand for some of you it's going to take bigger steps and it's going to take a longer amount of time than others. But God will help you. He'll help carry your burdens. God will come along you and say, Randall, you got some issues here, don't you? Randall, you didn't even pick up the ones I gave you. Good lands. God comes along and says, Randall, I know your arms are full, and I know you've, you've, you've made some poor decisions, and I know you've gotten entangled with the world. But he says, Randall, I'll help you carry your load if you'll help me carry mine. God says, hey, cast all your cares upon me. My friend, do you understand what I'm saying? Is God comes along and he doesn't look at you and say, oh, psh, can't ever use you. What's wrong with you? You're a failure. God says, you give me your burdens and then take my yoke upon you. See, Christ will carry your burdens. Christ will come along and say, I can deal with your jail record. Christ will come along and say, I can deal with your divorce. Christ will come along and say, I can deal with your wayward children. Christ will come along and say, I can bear that, but you need to carry mine. And my friend this morning, I wonder in this room, are we running our race? God has set before us something to do. And so many of us say, but God, I have my own problems to contend with. God designed you not for those, but for that. You've brought this upon yourself. <laughs> to a certain extent, we all have. Amen? Don't we all have a few things that are kind of weighing us down? Don't we ha all have a few things that we kind of brought along that we wish we hadn't? My friend, that isn't what you were designed for. You say, Pastor, I, I don't know how I can get from there to here. Get back in your lane and run your race. You run your race. You, you, you look at these, these sprinters. And they all start out, and they have their lane. If, I'm not, if, I, if, I, if I understand properly, in a sprint, if you get out of your lane, you're disqualified. But in a marathon, it is not such a case. And God, God, folks, I'm, I'm so thankful I'm not running in a sprint. Amen? Right? I'm too big, and I'm too slow to run in a sprint. But I am running in a marathon. And every once in a while, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to get bumped out of your lane. You're going to get bumped off a stride. I think it was Billy Mills that ran for the United States. He was an, uh, an Indian, and he was running in the Olympics, and he got bumped out. He got knocked off stride, but he did not stop. He did not quit. He did not just throw in the towel. Billy Mills got back in the race, in his lane, got his stride back, and won the whole thing. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you something right now. What you and I need to do is we need to run our race. You say, but God, my race is hard. But who's running it with you? Who's bearing the other side of the yoke? Folks, that's what we miss out. We say, God, I'm too busy. No, take his yoke upon you. But God, I, 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 my finances are too tight. Well, do you understand that when Peter came to Jesus Christ and said, Jesus, we need to pay our taxes, Jesus said, go fishing. And he said, the first fish you catch, you'll have our money in it. And it did. <laughs> and Peter paid the taxes. 
Do you think that... Do you think your burdens, do you think you say, yeah, that's a 15-pound weight over there. That is heavier than all of this combined. Do you think your piddly little burdens are a problem to God? Do you think God can't say, I'll take care of that. 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 And I'll take care of those. Carry mine. Here's what many of us do. We say, but, but God, you don't understand. These are my burdens. These are my cares. These are my entanglements. What's wrong with us? Man, run our race. Run our race. My friend, this morning, God's got a plan for your life. Satan desires to keep you from it. You run your race. My friend, you carry your cross. You accomplish God's will. And by the grace of God, you contend with the horses. Hey, that, 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 that cavalry, Satan's, Satan's really out to destroy you, my friend. He's out to defile you. The Bible says he's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Satan's looking to destroy your life. He wants to ensnare you and he wants to entrap you. It's time to contend with the horses. It's time to stop being wearied with the footmen and say, Lord, I'll pick up your burden. I'll carry the load you designed me for. I'll take, my, I'll take your yoke upon me. And my friend, when we do that, we begin to run our race together with God. You say, but pastor, you don't, <laughs> you don't understand my problems. You don't understand your God. Take his yoke. You put your burdens down, Randall, and you pick up that burden. My friend this morning, are you and I being wearied with the affairs of this life? Or by the grace of God, are we contending with the horses? Let's go and stand to our feet. In just a moment, the piano and the organ will begin to play. My friend, I, I want to I say this to you. My friend, if you are here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, there could be no, no better decision that you make today than that. Don't you leave here, and I would beg you not to leave, without knowing Christ. The Bible was written so that we could know that we have eternal life. Christian, may I ask if you're contending with the horses, or are you being wearied with the footmen? You say, Pastor, I want to do what God has for me. <laughs> You don't, you, don't, you don't know how badly today when you held up that weight and you explained what it meant. You don't know how badly today I want to do what God has for me, but I can't. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. My friend, you come to God with your burdens, and you take his yoke, and he will help you carry your burdens as you do what God designed you to do. 
as the instruments begin to play, if the Lord's laid something on your heart, I want you to come to the altar. All right. Well, praise the Lord, folks. Wonderful to have you this morning. Let me say thank you in advance for being patient with our parking lot. I know it's a mess out there. I know we've got people parked under the car. We just And, and forgive me for that. Um, we'll have to figure something out uh, with that. I've never seen the parking lot this jammed. So be patient. We'll get you all out of here. And uh, just we'll do the best we can there. But folks, thank you for being here. Let's, let's make sure we're contending with the horses of this life. Okay. Too many of us are being swamped under by the ordinary footmen. I want to do what God designed me to do. I challenge you with that this morning. Let's